This last weekend, my wife and I joined two other couples at something called Tree Rush in our local town. It's a high ropes challenge course that's in the middle of the forest. And it's so cool. You start out on the yellow course and then you can proceed to the green or one of the blue level courses and they get more difficult. And then, of course, the toughest course is the black. Each course has much tougher elements to get through and they each get farther and farther off the ground as you go. And we did try out the black course before we were done and we were able to get through it, but it gets up to 50 feet in the air. And going through the course, you know, I wasn't scared of how high I was, but at the end, the way you get down is by hooking onto an auto belay and stepping off of a platform and just letting your body fall for a second until the auto belay catches the slack and it slowly begins to lower you down to the ground. Now, I wouldn't say I'm afraid of heights, but I don't care who you are. Stepping off of a platform that high in the air and just letting yourself fall, even knowing that you're hooked onto that rope, that's scary. Your mind tells you not to do it and you have to push back against your body to make it go. Now, let me ask you this. What's something that you fear? You know, on the list of top fears are always things like heights and needles and snakes and public speaking and death. But what about more pressing and modern fears like terrorism, a deadly virus, loss of a job, losing a loved one, corrupt government officials, not having enough in your retirement, You see, what we fear can actually tell us a lot about ourselves, because what we fear can show us what we hope in. And we're living in a time where fear is running in lots of different directions and revealing lots of desires. And in 1 Peter 1, verse 17, Peter exhorts us to properly fear our Heavenly Father more than we fear anything else for the purpose of shaping our hearts and our conduct. In verse 16, He quoted Leviticus and reminded us that we should be holy because God is holy. And then in verse 17, Peter says, And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. So Peter continues this correlation between followers of Christ and God as children and father. And first, remember he said, as obedient children to be holy. And now he says, and if you do actually call on him as your father, live in reverent fear. And so it's worth starting with the question Peter begs to ask here. Do you call God your heavenly father? Have you responded to the gospel of Jesus Christ, namely that we are sinful and have accomplished nothing through our sin other than the consequence of eternal separation from God in a real place called hell, yet not being okay with that and loving us with such a great love, Christ came to earth and he paid the punishment for our sin by dying on the cross. By his death, our past, present, and future sin is removed once and for all. Our slate is wiped clean. We are forgiven. And by his resurrection, we are given power over future sin and death and given free access to a living God in heaven. Do you believe this gospel? Do you call out to Jesus as Lord? Do you call out to God as Father? If you do, then here is what Peter says, you know and you do. First, know that God judges impartially everyone according to what they have done. 
Yes, God is our Father, but He doesn't just watch from a distance and dote on us regardless of the choices we make. He judges our conduct, but He does so impartially and individually. He doesn't compare us to anyone other than the perfect Christ. And He judges us with absolute fairness, with a perfect mixture of truth and mercy, along with an intimate knowledge of our hearts, minds, and motives. One of the definitions of the Greek word for ergon, translated here work or deed, is really helpful and insightful. Listen to this. Uh, Ergon is an action that carries out or completes an inner desire. So God doesn't just see your deeds. He knows your heart. And we know from his word that he is more concerned with the root of our sin in our heart than he is with the fruit of our sin in our actions. Now, we've got to be careful here because this is not a judgment that affects our salvation or whether or not God will allow us into heaven or a judgment that leads to God punishing us. Romans 8 tells us that there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Listen, God will not punish you for sin. Remember, all the punishment for your sin has already been paid out on Christ as he was on the cross. If God were to punish you, it would mean that Christ's death were not enough to pay for your sins. And Peter says a couple chapters down the road in chapter 3 that Christ died for our sins once for all. And yet God does judge. He judges our works and our hearts. He pays attention to whether our actions are those of holy people set apart for his purposes, like verse 15 said, or whether our choices continue to be driven by the passions and desires that we had when we lived in ignorance of him, like verse 14 said. And knowing this fact that God judges should change the way we live. And so not just know that God judges impartially, but do, second, do conduct yourselves with fear in this time of living as an exile on earth. And here we have to be careful again, because this word fear can send us spiraling out of theological control. But let me read two verses from the the next chapter that helps with this word fear. So in 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 17 and 18, it says, Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor, servants be subject to your masters with all respect not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. In most translations, the word fear is only used once, like I just read, but in some, like the King James, we see that the same root word for fear in Greek is used twice in that verse. Most translations translate the second instance as respect in its context. We are to fear God, and household servants are to submit to their masters with all fear or respect. Same word. Contextually here, and in our verse, 1 Peter 1.17, this fear is deeply relational. Honor the emperor because of who he is to you, your authority, king, he governs you. Respect your master because of who he is to you, your authority, he provides for you. Fear God because of who he is to you. And how has Peter just framed who God is to us? He's father. When our fourth child, Emma, was probably like three or four years old, we were swimming in a hotel pool and, of course, had just turned our backs for a moment 
while she decided to get in the pool without any floaties on. And so, of course, she couldn't swim. And so when I turned around, I didn't see her anywhere. And then I noticed these two little hands barely above the surface of the water. But she wasn't flailing around. She wasn't splashing. She was simply reaching out of the water for help. She had to have been terrified. But her need and trust in her father was just as powerful. And in the same way, living as exiles in this land, knowing that nothing escapes God's purview and knowing how often we get in over our heads and we cannot save ourselves, we should rightly be filled with dread. However, part of that healthy fear of our Father God is reverently loving, respecting, trusting, and reaching out our hands in full confidence that he will pick us up and will not let us drown because of who he is to us. This is a fear that even though, yes, he could extinguish our life in a moment, should still drive us into his arms as a loving, good shepherd and father. This is what it means to conduct yourselves with fear. Be holy. Let the fear and doubt and worry of the day push you towards God instead of becoming a wedge between you and God. Don't be overwhelmed. Instead, overcome. If God is for you, and he is, what can be against you? Nothing. Yes, we are to fear God. But you know what else the Bible says? Don't be afraid. 365 times, one for every day of the year. And so here is today's. Don't be afraid. Instead, fear the Lord. Walk closely with him. Obey him, and you will be strong and courageous to have victory in every situation because you can have complete trust in God's continuous love and future grace for you. Now, next time, we'll discover the confidence that can be ours when we understand what it means that we are ransomed by the blood of Christ. Until then, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that in Christ I have been made your child. Thank you for being a good and perfectly loving Father who knows me inside and out. Knowing that I fall short of your standard, help me to fall into your arms and not away. Help me to live with holy and reverent fear of who you are. And thank you for never giving up on me. It's in Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. Amen.